come on, Oscar. Let you and me get drunk. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only got one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty and I'm joined by Fritz and the Oscars to talk about Betty Davis's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1952 film The Star. Good to have you on the podcast. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. me. Me as well. And and to everybody who doesn't know us, we can say, you don't seem to know who I am. I, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit about why you picked this movie in particular out of all of the movies that there were. What drew you towards the star? Well, obviously it's a best actress nominee, so there's always a plus for me. Um, but on the other hand, most of the time you talk about uh, performances or movies that are really great or that you really love. And this is obviously always fun, but sometimes it can also, also be a bit exhausting. And this time I thought maybe just talk about some batshit crazy Betty Davis work that's a lot of fun to watch, even if it's not necessarily good. So without giving too much away right away, but sometimes it's fun to just talk about movies and performances like this. Yeah. Trash, essentially. It's, yeah, it's, trash. It's, 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 it's interesting trash, but I mean, I don't think you'll find that many people uh, that would argue with that uh, descriptor. Um, yeah, I had not seen this before, and I was very interested watching it. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm excited to talk about them, but I'm glad you picked this one out because I was aware of this mostly just as the one scene that anyone is aware of, but we'll get into that scene specifically. But I was not really aware of anything else about this, especially not the behind the scenes uh, inspiration, we'll say, for yeah. where the, uh, how this movie was written and also acted. So I'll get into the breakdown of this movie. We are talking about The Star from 1952, directed by Stuart Heisler, written by Dale Yunson and Catherine Albert. We'll get into it. Starring Betty Davis, Sterling Hayden, Natalie Wood, Warner Anderson, Minor Watson, and June Travis. And it was released on December 11th, 1952. Uh, I don't think it would have played any festivals or anything. I think it just got that release, very small release from what I know, and didn't make much of an impact outside of this Oscar nomination. Yeah, I think it's, it's the IMDb award page. I think it's literally just this Oscar nomination. Oh, yeah. Like... When I get into that segment, all of the other movies I've covered so far have had at least something else. Even Man in the Glass Booth got a <laughs> Globe nomination and a WGA nomination. This is quite literally the only nomination this movie has received anywhere. So it'll be interesting to talk about that. Uh, so, so what are your first thoughts on Betty Davis in this movie? We'll start with the actual nomination it got. What do you think about her? I always think if you if you are an impersonator of Betty Davis or a drag queen who wants to impersonate Betty Davis, then I think this movie is basically your go-to source. This is, if you distill Betty Davis to her whole style and everything that she does, then you get this performance as a result. This is basically, it's probably Betty Davis on autopilot. 
I mean, Betty Davis is great, so I don't mind seeing Betty Davis on autopilot, but I would say there is not a single shred of subtlety in this performance. She basically decided to turn it up 100% and goes with this from the moment she appears right to the last scene. Yeah, it's, it's a very melodramatic sort of performance and movie. And that was a style that Betty Davis thrived in for, for a lot of her career. A lot of what she would do would fall under melodrama and she excelled in that in a lot of cases. Uh, but like you said, she is kind of on autopilot here. It's very much playing two beats that she's familiar with. I think she even said that she picked this role because All About Eve had done so well two years earlier and she wanted to try and cash in on that sort of uh, trope, that that Uh. sort of character beat. And she wanted to just do that again and hope she would get another hit. And she didn't. Yeah, personally, I find it hard to to follow because I think All About Eve did is, is so... This offers her this really rich part, and even if the the actress somehow decides that maybe it's time to step down and focus on a different part of her life, it's done with so much subtlety and character development. And the star is such a trashy, almost exploitation. It's basically telling Betty at every second, "You're so old. You're over the hill. Get out of it." And then at the end, she just accepts this. This feels like everything about this role feels like so unlike Betty Davis herself and what we know about her, which is how I personally always think that what you always already mentioned, the behind the scenes drama and the inspiration for this, this movie, I always think that maybe in some way, Betty da- that this maybe was the main reason why she decided to play this role, is some kind of inside joke, because I always yeah. hope that somehow she recognized how awful this whole thing actually is, and, but yeah. I think this could have become kind of a camp classic, but I think for this, it probably misses just maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think outside of uh, the scene where she uh, does decide to get drunk and take her off her <laughs> uh, driving around Hollywood, like that scene is kind of the level of camp that I was hoping the rest of the movie would achieve, that like it would be that kind of self-referential sort of, not cheap, but like, making the cheap shots at Hollywood because that's what it's going for. I I was hoping it would sort of reach those heights at any other point in the movie, but it really doesn't. Um, Except I guess the scene where she ends up filming uh, the scene and she plays it against what the script says kind of hits that. But it's, it's a lot of, it's more than anything. I was kind of underwhelmed by uh, its reputation as being sort of schlock. Um, also, I do want to hit on the beat that you said that so much of this movie is everyone around Betty Davis telling her that she's too old and she's washed up. That would be the equivalent of today if you remade this movie starring Jessica Chastain. Like, she <laughs> that Betty Davis was when she made this. She was 44. So, you know. Yeah, this is, this is another thing that always fascinates me so much about this. When, when Betty Davis did All About Eve, she, she looked so incredible. She had this mature look of an older woman that works so well and, and the star is only two years later and I don't I think she looks 20 years older in this movie I have no idea what happened there and the makeup I think is it, it's definitely put on more in this movie like she's yep. yeah I mean I don't know if they wanted to emphasize that she's over the hill or something like this but I have I don't know why she she looks so I don't know. There's just, I mean, I don't want to focus the, I don't want to focus my critique of her performance on her looks, 
But it's just that she looked so amazing two years earlier in, in All About Eve, and I really don't know what they did to her in the star. Yeah, yeah, it is not doing her any favors. Um, it is interesting that, like, so many of her performances, and specifically of her Oscar-nominated performances, are of her playing a past-her-prime actress. Like, 40% of her Oscar nominations are <laughs> for that exact role, because that's Dangerous and All About Eve, and the star, and whatever happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's an interesting career. Like, I can't, ima- I can't think of that many other actors that have even played actors in as many movies as that, much less that same very specific type. Yeah. Of type. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, well that she returned to a lot. And she does it well yeah. in some of those movies, not all of them, but <laughs> she definitely plays it well. Like, All About Eve uh, is one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite performances just in general. I'm, it's not necessarily the popular opinion these days that All About Eve is the rightful winner over Sunset Boulevard, but I think I, it I, is. I, like, I know it's like the <laughs> cool pick to pick Sunset Boulevard and I love Sunset Boulevard. I, like, don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. And I think that probably has, uh, it sets more of the precedent for the star than All About Eve actually does. I like I was reminded more of Sunset Boulevard while watching this but like All About Eve just really clicks for me for whatever reason I just love every bit of that screenplay every performance is on point and yeah I just think she's really great in that which is why it's so interesting that she is doing a kind of similar role just two years later and it just misses the mark in so many ways yeah I, I don't know yeah I think, um, to come back to your point, I think, uh, personally, I'm a Sunset Boulevard person, but uh, I can't find any fault with All About Eve either. Um, I think in most polls I have seen, usually All About Eve still wins. I, so I think, this is, I think All About Eve is actually the, the popular um, pick, but yeah, it's apples and oranges. Those movies are both so amazing and wouldn't have minded uh, either of them winning. Yeah, it's a... It's, it's a real tough choice between either of those because they're both so great. Uh, but yeah, I do tend to lean a little bit towards All About Eve. Uh, it's been a while though since I've seen Sunset Boulevard, so I do need to revisit that. But yeah, they're both great. And they both, both of their influence is very clearly felt on this movie. Like to the point where <laughs> in the opening scene where uh, Margaret walks up to the auction where they're selling off her stuff, and she has the sunglasses and she like lowers them down on her face. Like, oh, that's just the exact look that Gloria Swanson has in the first half of Sunset Boulevard. Like right down to the exact look on her face and the curled hair. Like it's... Yeah, and they, they, they have this big picture of her at this auction where she was younger. I think it's from Dark Victory. It's like um, um, Norma Desmond with her house and all these pictures of, of a younger Gloria Swanson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's very clearly of a type of a of this whole sort of era of... Yeah. And I mean, technically, the star, I mean, it is a movie, I think if you're an, a movie lover and an Oscar lover and an actress lover, this movie gives you a lot because it's a lot of fun to watch because you're watching a washed-up actress trying to make a comeback in Hollywood. And that's why I think this is a very fun movie. And I would probably, if somebody asked me if they should watch this, I would probably recommend it over many movies that I find technically better because it's very entertaining. But it yeah. doesn't mean it's but it doesn't mean it's good. No, no, it, it's entertaining and it's a fun 
watch and it's definitely entertaining in a bad kind of way yeah it's a curiosity more than anything i think more than any sort of achievement on any level just to sort of ogle and sort of wonder what happened and how things happened the way they did uh i i do think she she plays a pretty convincing drunk in that one scene where she is driving like i mean it's it's very Uh, it's it's over the top but like she sells it well well it's it's again i think it's it's total betty david Betty Davis on play to the hill when they take her in the in the in the in the prison and she screams and fights and then you don't seem to know who I am. Yeah, not if, that if, part. I think if an, if another actress had played this part and you would watch this movie and think, what? How would Betty Davis have played this role? And basically, her performance is exactly how you would imagine Betty Davis playing this role. Every mannerism, every line delivery, it's exactly how you would imagine it. Yeah, that that's a really good way to put it. Is yeah, I, I like that. It is exactly what you would expect from Betty Davis in this role and not much more beyond that. Uh, there's a lot of lines. There's a, a line that I wrote down that I did. There's a few lines that she has that are pretty snappy, even if the screenplay overall kind of sinks. Um, like in that first scene where her manager is, it, who is it that shows up? Well, uh, I think it's her manager, yeah. Yeah, he like, strikes up a conversation and she's very clearly like not having it and he tries to go to grab her hand or something and she goes don't touch me with your 10 percent hands (laughs) like she's very clearly chewing all of this dialogue and spitting it right back out uh yeah some of it works like that but yeah she basically i think it's probably 30 seconds into her performance she starts screaming and shouting and this is basically the, the note on the piano she plays for the entire time yeah i mean i get it i mean margaret obviously has a lot of reasons to be angry when you get down to it but i also think the character is so i don't think the character actually makes a lot of sense when you get down to it we are constantly told that either she is some she wants to be some glamour puss who is only about spending money and wanting to be a star then we're told that she's some serious actress and it's constantly shifting between these two without really settling on anything and the character is constantly going from one from one extreme to the other yeah i think that's a a real fault of the screenplay is that it doesn't really know what it wants to say about her or what it wants her to want like like you said a lot of the movie is saying that she's very extravagant and she spends all her money on lavish stuff but then there's the scene when her sister and her brother-in-law show up at her apartment, which is, it's a funny scene. Uh, yeah. They're like, she's also... Also, I think because the, 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 the actress and the actor who played her, who played her sister and her husband, I think they're, they're also so over the top in some way, but it's so entertaining. Yeah, the brother-in-law just like constantly burping and just helping <laughs> himself to whatever food she has is pretty funny. But like, so Margaret has just told her landlady like, I don't have the money, even though I'm auctioning off all my stuff. I'll pay you rent soon, I promise. And she goes in and her sister and brother-in-law are like, hey, how are things going? Everything's going well with us, but we need a whole lot of money, so give us more money. And Maggie just goes on this whole thing of like, oh, you want to know where all my money went? It went to the birth of your kids and their school and your husband's saxophone lessons. (laughs) And your husband's second job when he got fired from the first one. And and then this- your house. Yeah, all this stuff. And then at the end of it, the brother-in-law is still like, 
yeah, but you're good for our money for this month, right? And he just goes, I've got $3.50 in my purse. Do you want that? And like shoves then them out, get of, the out of here. Yeah, and she slams the door and shoves like a whole stack of papers to the ground. And that's when she grabs her Oscar and goes, come on, Oscar, let's you and me get drunk. And it <laughs> yeah. goes on from there. Um, yeah. And that's basically the, the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, you basically have her at her with her manager, but she's saying, I made so much money for you. And now you don't give me money. Then she goes to her ex-husband and then there's his wife, his second wife. I paid so much money during the divorce and you won't give me any money. And then she goes to her sister. Her sister again, I gave you so much money. The first 20 minutes of the movie is only her complaining that she paid so much and doesn't get anything in return. Yeah, but then at the end or near the end when she thinks she's gotten this part in this movie that's going to revitalize her career and she'll have all this money again. She goes out on the town yeah. and buys all this <laughs> like expensive clothes and she wants to take Sterling Hayden out on the town for a fancy dinner and all this and stuff. And she looks so off. I don't know what kind of dress she bought. She looks so awful in that. Yeah. Yeah. And just right away, it's like, oh, maybe you were actually not the best with your money uh, yeah. and made some interesting and poor uh, economic choices. Yeah. I mean, her sister says at one point you had so many servants and secretaries and cars and houses. So it, it appears that she did have some kind of extravagant lifestyle. Yeah. I want to see that movie. I want to see The Descent. I don't want to see The Aftermath. Like, yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> see sort of like a great Gatsby-esque story about this actress that just throws everything away because she's too extravagant. That would be a much more, like, I think Betty Davis would sell that a lot more compellingly than she does the aftermath like yeah probably gave her more to do yeah it would have been so much more to do to actually see like these big parties and all the things she's throwing her money away on instead of just being told about where it all went that would be that i think that would be a lot more interesting and like i'm sure that movie exists somewhere out there (laughs) at least not with betty davis at least not this one um so I, I mentioned up top that this is a very melodramatic movie, but that kind of goes away in the last half of the, of the entire movie. Like all of that melodrama just sort of fades and it just becomes a very simple drama outside of one or two scenes. And it just kind of loses the thread, I feel. And she loses the thread on that vibe too. Like she just sort of fades away outside of one or two big outbursts. She just kind of yeah. gets domesticated in the same way that her character does. <laughs> I, mean, there, there, I mean there is probably a lot going on she has this green test um she has this oh i'm gonna have i'm gonna win a second oscar and then she has a big breakdown in the screening room yeah but yeah i agree this this the whole journey that this character takes is just so unsatisfying yeah. and i always think um I mean, when we go to the to the end of the movie um i always think there is no actress less suited than Betty Davis to end her movie running into the arms of some man yeah. saying, oh, this is all I ever wanted. Basically. The domesticated uh, yeah. housewife figure that apparently this movie thinks she's supposed to become because yeah. she's washed up. It's a very, it's a poor ending. And I think yeah. a lot of my problem with the second half, we'll get into it when we get into the rest of the movie, but I have a real problem with Sterling Hayden in this movie. <laughs> I, he's... I, again, I don't want to get into it, but he 
is not the right fit for this role or for this just like the tenor of this movie i he's a big part of why this ending doesn't work i think yeah i mean without talking about the ending but i think the, the first the first time i watched this movie just uh, just i watched just for fun i didn't even realize that there was supposed to be some some kind of uh, there, there was some kind of romantic relationship apparently developing between i didn't even notice that yeah they have they have this kind of chemistry where you have the feeling the moment the director yells cut they start hating each other yeah and like it's not that sterling hayden doesn't have chemistry period because i think just a two uh, few years later and we'll get into her more but he has really good chemistry with joan crawford in johnny guitar yeah but he's a total piece of wood in that movie as in, in the star yeah yeah like there was a point where i wrote down uh sterling hayden is interesting in this movie and then five <laughs> later i crossed out interesting and just wrote bad yeah. <laughs> like, the more his performance goes on the more you realize oh no he's just completely phoning it in here. Yeah. And the thing is also, I think Betty Davis was only eight years older in, in real life, but they look, at some points, they look like mother and son, yeah, or they at least project, or aunt and nephew. Yeah, they project they just very yeah. disparate. Which, yeah, and I mean, it's never met. And the, the funny thing is, Joan Crawford, in her movie, the same, in her Oscar-nominated performance, the same year, she also had a younger co-star. But, but it this, fits the story. Much, yeah, it, it, it went much better. Yeah, I mean, they could have addressed it in some way in the star. I mean, because, just because it's so obvious. I mean, it's obviously not a problem that she has a, a, that she's with a man who's younger than her, but yeah. it just they just don't fit together in any way. Yeah, and again, he's like eight years younger than Joan Crawford as well in Johnny Guitar, and it works a lot better in that. Yeah, here it just they don't fit well together. Sometimes you just get an actor and actress that are both compelling actors but they just don't have any chemistry and i think that's just yeah. really the case here they just don't and, yeah. mesh well it's just that also the role that he plays so he, he he appears so totally out of nowhere oh yeah 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 that's a big problem like yeah. <laughs> how does he know about this how does he sh- like does she call him obviously not because she's surprised when he shows up but she's also surprised by the yeah. media frenzy that everyone yeah. finds out that she's in jail so how does he know how did that like that's a it's a pretty big plot hole. I, yeah, I but it's always in these kind of 50 movies that somehow everything is always in the paper or in the radio. Yeah, they just cut to the next morning and she's out of jail and she's with him and they don't address. Yeah, and we have no idea where he came from. And then they talk about it. He apparently used to be an actor. and But I don't know, he just comes out of nowhere and then he tries to turn her into a sales lady. And <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so speaking of bad chemistry and speaking of, we've already mentioned a few of Betty Davis's other movies and other Oscar nominations. I have a game for you. Oh. So it's a game that I, I don't really have a title for it right now. I have, <laughs> uh, deemed it Certified Rotten. So I have picked three snippets from negative reviews from Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb user reviews, and I think I even pulled one from Letterboxd, of Betty Davis's 10 Oscar nominated movies. Not counting okay. Human Bondage, because that was a write in, and there's a whole mm-hmm. thing with that. So I've picked out three uh, snippets from each of her 10 movies. I'm going to read them to you one at a time, and I want you to try to guess which movie this negative review is talking about. Oh, dear. I can only lose there, but okay. (laughs) Okay. So we'll start off pretty easy. 
and I've removed any titles and names mm -hmm. of any characters or uh, actors or directors that aren't Betty Davis. Mm -hmm. So here's your first snippet. There's an ugly sexist undercurrent to title that keeps it from being enjoyable even on a camp level. And while Davis gives it her hammy mannered all, the film is mainly an embarrassment and certainly unworthy of her. I would say that's the star. Yes, that is the star. <laughs> uh, the next one, I just, this is what reminded me of it is the next one was not the best for Ms. Davis, trite and empty. Sterling Hayden was the Keanu Reeves of his era, flat, expressionless, and contrived. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's an insult to Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's not insult Sterling Hayden either. They just, they, they have their uh, roles that they work in and their roles that they don't. So we'll leave it at that. Moving on to your next uh, negative review. Great cast, great costumes, nice sets. Now, if only the story were interesting. Mr. Skeffington? Uh, which one? Mr. Skeffington? No. Okay, moving on to your okay. next snippet. Okay, you give okay, next snippet, okay. A tottering costume drama that gave Betty Davis one of her rare non-bitchy roles. It should come as little surprise that it doesn't quite work. A non-bitchy role, but she was nominated for it. Yeah, there's not many of those. Dark Victory? No. Okay, moving on to your last one. This one should give it a... Oh, God, why don't I know this? <laughs> I love Betty Davis and love old movies. Antebellum South is a great topic, and actor is fantastic. Somehow, all these elements combine to create one of the worst, most boring movies ever. There are implications that several exciting, interesting things happen, but for the life of me, I can't figure out what they are. Okay, then it must be Jezebel? Yes, that is Jezebel. Okay, but they said it's a non-bitchy role? Appar according to a Rotten okay. Tomatoes reviewer, yeah. Okay, I, I would probably disagree there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to your next one. This one was interesting. A lot of these come from IMDb user reviews, so they're not written with the sort of panache of a professional critic, which makes okay, them, which makes <laughs> them all the more fun. I think. Yeah. <laughs> this must be the flick from which all major soap cliches got their start. I can imagine if I was a sixteen-year-old dopey girl, I might find this movie deep and meaningful. As a forty-five-year-old woman, I just want to groan. Now Voyager? That is Now Voyager. <laughs> um, were any of the other two interesting? Yeah, uh, this film has no soul. The characters haven't a shred of humanity. And overall, it makes me deeply appreciative of not having to live in such horrible times among such monstrous people. And a scathing review for Now Voyager. Okay, moving on to your next one. This dreadful commercial box office smash and badly dated soap opera weepy is a classic women's pick that strings together a collection of syrupy cliches that can make a real man double up in pain. I like it. <laughs> oh no, this, this was your next movie. And this was next? Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh God, yeah sorry. I didn't make that clear. That, that's okay, um, could you read it again? Sorry. Yes. This dreadful commercial box office smash and badly dated soap opera weepy is a classic women's pick that strings together a collection of syrupy cliches that can make a real man double up in pain. Box office smash. All about Eve? No. It's horribly dated, playing, to get, playing today like some weird contrived burlesque of common sense. 
Dark Victory? Yes, Dark Victory. <laughs> and then your last one was, when our character name climbs the stairs for the last time, the composer yeah. <laughs> springs into action with his grating choirs of angels score to let us know that this is it for the old gal. It was that kind <laughs> of a cornball flick. <laughs> these people, I, I find that a well-written pan is much more interesting than a well-written praise review. Oh, yeah. This kind of game is so fun because you get to pull these just real spiteful quotes. Even, for, like, even with the movies that I love on here, it's, it's yeah. fun what people have to say that don't like them. I do that sometimes as well. It's for movies or performances that I love. I just read the one-star IMDb reviews just oh, for yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these are one-star IMDb, which is so fun. Here's your next movie. We won't tell you how it comes out, but the revelation at the end would be enough to tag the whole thing synthetic and a contrivance if nothing else, else did, which it does. Okay, the ending, I would say the letter? No, moving on to your next one. There could be no worse way to envision hell than to actually sit through this overrated, joyless, tedious film. And just, just to focus a little bit on the ending, the little foxes? No. Okay, here's your next one. It was hard to find quotes for this one that were specific enough to like hint to the movie, but not specific enough that it would give it away. So I tried to find a good middle ground. Uh, so here's your last one. First of all, I have to take issue with Betty Davis's performance. I know that's sacrilege, but I couldn't stand her. I'm not sure how much of the blame should be divided among her, the screenplay, and the director, but her character was so over the top that it just became cartoonish at times. Okay, then my last guess is dangerous? No, that's actually whatever happened to Baby's uh, name. That was my next guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said, like we mentioned, a lot of these are melodramatic, and a lot of these she's going for the back row. So a lot of these quotes kind of blend together. Like they could be for so yeah. many. <laughs> okay, here's your next film. Davis gives yet another of her one-note performances and keeps it from being a 10-star film. It is a shame the producers could not have given the role to someone of a more iridescent artistic ability like Joan Crawford, Vivian Lee, or Rosalind Russell. They certainly would have created a true classic in every sense of the word, pity. Ooh, and that post was written by a crone Jofford? Interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know how that got in there. Hmm. Can I think at the moment of a role for Betty Davis that would have been suited for Rosalind Russell? Just a little foxes? For that. No, not the little foxes. Yeah. Okay. I tell no more because if you, if you have gone this far to read about this movie, you might want to be surprised. Watch it once and then say you did, then see if you are ever able to watch it ever again. Okay, the letter? That is the letter. The letter. Okay, in John Crawford, probably Rosalind Russell, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting pick of names for that particular role. I wonder, I think this was, there's a few quotes on here that I pulled from an IMDb user reviewer who had Joan Crawford in like their username and very yeah. was uh, not the highest on Betty Davis as an actress. So I think some of those might have bled yeah, in. Yeah, I never don't understand why some, if you're, when some people think that if you are a Betty Davis or a Joan Crawford fan, then you have to hate the other. And you don't. I like them both. I think they're yeah, both, yeah. They're both <laughs> been very good in yeah. a lot of things. So we'll move on. You have four more. Okay. 
This long and rather slow movie is not boring, and it just keeps shocking us with its awfulness that we are on the edge of our seats to see what next horror awaits. It is definitely a freak show. Okay, this time the little foxes. No. Oh. Okay. It's a heavy slog through gooey soap opera turf. The lavishly produced pick fell behind schedule, finishing up two months later than its target date because Davis got into daily arguments with director, even though he was one of her favorite directors and former lover. I mean, okay. Then I would say it's Jezebel or the letter because of William Wyler. No, I think we've done both of yeah, them. Yeah, I think we did we did both of them, but I just but think You're right that? you're right on Wyler, but it's a different movie. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get to your last uh, hint here. Davis's transformation takes all of five minutes of screen time, then there's Betty Davis's performance. I've never seen anything quite like it. I don't know why she felt that she had to shriek all of her lines, but whatever her reasons, the results were initially oddly amusing but ultimately just irritating. What was she thinking? What was the Academy thinking when she was nominated for an Oscar? Mr. Skeffington? That is Mr. Skeffington. Mr. Skeffington. Did we might have direct Mr. Skeffington? I believe so. Oh, I totally forgot that. Yeah, okay, three more. And you can probably process of elimination it down to whatever you have left, but it's still, <laughs> it's still fun. It would be too kind to only say this is a film I did not find credible, one must also say that Miss Davis's flamboyant performance was mawkish and unconvincing. Mm, flamboyant, all about Eve? No. Okay, uh. your next hint. I did enjoy aspects of the film, but overall it was a little flat and pedestrian in parts. The chemistry between the two leads was not there, and the film suffered for it. Okay, we did, we, we did Dangerous, we did Jezebel, we had Dark Victory. Did we? One of those in there. Oh, do we not have dangerous yet? Oh, then it's dangerous. It is dangerous. Then it's dangerous. Ah, I thought we had that. Okay, then it's dangerous. Okay. Two more. Title is a classic, and it bored me silly. I can't imagine recommending it to anyone. I know it has its fans, and I don't understand them. Watching it was like being hit in the head with a boring hammer, alternating with an irritating hammer, over and over, thud, <laughs> thud, thud. I would say all about Eve. No, surprise. <laughs> I remember this as an excellent movie with a brilliant performance by Betty Davis. To my surprise, on watching it a second time ten years after the first, it seemed turgid, stagey, and even more predictable than the play. As to Miss Davis, whom I of course love as much as the next guy, this seems like one of her worst performances. It is as much self-parody as the anniversary several decades later. Okay, it must be The Little Foxes. It is The Little Foxes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, process of elimination, you probably know this out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this is actually a quote f uh, from the time of the film, not a after the fact one, which was interesting. Title is in essence a play fabricated into celluloid with absolutely no feeling for pictorial style or form. Yet one is n neither surprised, wait, oh, I, I skipped a word in my uh, transposition, okay. Yet one is not surprised to hear director cited as the writer director of the year. The film has just the sort of surface glitter that dazzles the eyes of the selection committee of the Academy of Motion Picture Art. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know which one it is. Yeah, it's all about, so, so, okay, sorry, all about Eve. <laughs> yes, all about Eve. I did yeah. like this, this was an interesting quote that I don't think is all that accurate, but 
All About Eve is essentially a film about a bunch of unlikable women who are able to grow even more unlikable as the film progresses and their pushover boyfriends. Weird description of All About Eve, but I just wanted to put one in there. Uh, okay, I, I will not win a gold medal in this game. You <laughs> did pretty it's good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's fun. I, I like that format. Thanks. I want to. Hopefully, it's really difficult because if, if somebody says the famous flamboyant performance, then you can say, okay, that could be all of them. Yes, yeah. I'm hoping in the future, if I do revisit this format, to have a more eclectic pool of movies to pull from. I have one idea for an episode that I'm recording in a few weeks that has a very uh, sort of disparate set of movies. It's not based on the actor, but based on some other aspect. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward oh, to that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun to put those together. Yeah. <laughs> scroll through the IMDb one, two, three, four star reviews. Yeah, I mean, some of them are really, I mean, some of them are funny and you have the feeling that the person really Oh yeah, the uh, son was a little bit creative in writing this. Yeah, alternating between the boring hammer and the irritating hammer. <laughs> I, I liked that. That was a that was a good little pull quote there. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's Betty Davis's sort of whole Oscar career there. A lot of melodrama, like we've said, a lot of a lot of reference to soap opera cliches, which mm -hmm. I found interesting, and especially in reference to this movie because this movie definitely feels like it could be a soap opera sort of style. Like you could yeah. see a similar story like this being made today as like a six episode mini series about an aging actress sort of getting arrested and falling in with this sort of himbo hunk uh, <laughs> ship worker and having to deal with her daughter. Like you could see this being updated to a modern sort of sensibility and doing at least better than it does in this version. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, when you say it like this, there is a lot happening in this movie. And I mean, you can say there is a lot offered to, to Betty Davis. You have this comeback, this washed up. She is a mother. Um, she has her, a, a new lover, but it just doesn't come together. Yeah. Especially because it's bookended by All About Eve and whatever happened to Baby Jane, at least in her Oscar uh, catalog. And like, those both take those ideas in much more unique directions and she plays them much more interestingly. Like, yeah. I watched this movie and I hadn't seen Dangerous beforehand. So I, I was like waiting at the airport uh, last week to come back from New York Film Fest and I had a whole bunch of time. So I watched this movie and I had more time. So I just watched uh, Dangerous right afterwards. And like, in the time since then, I've had to stop and think like, okay, did that thing happen in Dangerous or in The Stop? Because <laughs> I have to talk about one of those this week. And like, there were points I wanted to bring up earlier that I had to stop myself because it was not the same movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's Yeah, a Dangerous movie. is also not really the, it's also not the, not the best, the best, best no. <laughs> yeah, I, I found myself more often than not agreeing with the uh, lower tier reviews on that one. Um. Is there anything else you want to talk about about Betty Davis specifically, or do you want to move on to the rest of the movie? Uh, I think, yeah, we can talk about the rest of the movie. I think Betty Davis will probably come up in some way. Oh, since she, she absolutely will. She essentially is the movie. Well, 
what in the world do you want with that? Annie, that's Margaret Elliott. Oh, it couldn't be. She's in jail. No, some mystery man got her out. I read all about it. Well, if it is Margaret Elliott, I think it's a disgrace for a respectable store like this to hire a jailbird. It's Margaret Elliott, all right. You can't fool me. She was my favorite movie star. Oh, I can't believe it. Besides, Margaret was much better looking than her. Take a good look, ladies. So there's no doubt. It is Margaret Elliot, and it is a disgrace. Margaret Elliot waiting on a couple of old bags like you. Let's talk about the rest of the star. I think we talked about him enough. Let's talk about Sterling Hayden. Let's really get into this performance that he gives here. Do you want to tell a little bit about what his character function is, what he does here? Well, he basically appears out of nowhere after Margaret had been, has been arrested and pays her, um, uh, what's it called in English? Um, the bail. The bail, yeah, sorry. Um, and we learned that he was also an actor at some point because she made him an actor. He I think he was he was more like a handyman and she just um I think she says that she was angry at her husband or at somebody, I don't know, and she said, The next man I see, I'm gonna make him a star, and basically he was the next man she saw. A, a very put, sort of Harrison Ford yeah. star is born type. Uh, yeah, and so she put him in a movie, but uh, he didn't like being an, an actor and now he lives um in, on a I don't know, on a ship. Yeah, he like Wait, where does he live on a guard? On, on the shipyard, yeah. By himself? Like, we never see anyone else at the shipyard, which is... Yeah. Like, and he has a pretty nice apartment, actually, and he seems to be quite well off, but he doesn't want to have to do anything with um, Hollywood anymore, and he's basically also more like, oh, Margaret, stop acting, stop be, trying being an actress, and start being, start working in a, in a department store and stuff like this. <laughs> Oh, that whole sequence, the department store sequence. We didn't talk about it earlier, but like she ends up getting a job as like a sales lady at a department store for like 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. I mean, this is, again, why this, why this movie is so stupid. He basically, I mean, I think she's like, oh, won't people recognize me? And she's like, oh, you can get a job outside of Beverly Hills. As if, as if this is somehow um, helping her after she was a movie star. And I have also no idea what's the whole point of this is as you said she goes in there and 10 minutes later she's back to i'm being an actress but it's again it's a it's a sequence that if you're a betty davis fan of course you love seeing betty davis throw some stuff at two old i don't know what she calls them a couple of old bags yeah she's like working at this department <laughs> store and these two old ladies come up asking to look at some of the dresses and they're like oh i recognize her that's yeah. Margaret Elliott. She used to be a great actress. What's she doing? Oh, she's a jailbird. <laughs> in jail. And like this whole time she's been like, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm me. I'm just going to pass it and play this role. And like, it's maybe her first day and she just goes, yeah, take a good look, ladies. I'm me, blah, blah, blah. And she like throws the dress at them and walks off and quits. And it's very just like, <laughs> it again, melodramatic, doesn't yeah. fit anything that we're taught about this character. If you love Betty Davis, then you probably love this scene. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun scene. Like, I definitely <laughs> laughed at it. And I hope I was supposed to. I don't know. There's a lot of moments in this movie where I laughed, where I wasn't yeah. really sure if I was I'm not sure. If the, I'm not sure if we're supposed to laugh, actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, Sterling Hayden, not very good in this movie. Very wooden. Very yeah. just sort of 
Yeah, it's a piece of wood in there. I said, yeah, that's basically an insult to a piece of wood. He's, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, he's kind of playing like a, a little bit of a John Wayne drawl. Um, he's very clearly in this cast more for his physical presence than his actual chemistry with Betty Davis, like we mentioned. Um, there's a line I wrote of his where he says, I once thought you were a woman. I was wrong. You're nothing but a career. And like, yeah, like, the, like the first quote that I pulled in that game, there's some real sexism to this movie about yeah. she thinks that she can still be young and sexual and like frivolous, but she's old. She's 44. She, her career passed her by and it's time for her to move on and get a real job like yeah. lingerie and being a housewife. Yeah, totally. I mean, when she visits her ex-husband and only his second wife is there and she is like, oh, you deserve to lose him because he didn't want to be just your husband. He wanted to have his own career and I'm doing this. I'm now giving him this feeling that he is his own person. He's a big man. And basically she tells her, you're not a real woman. Yeah. And that whole, that whole subplot with like her ex-husband and her daughter, uh, Natalie Wood, it just feels very out of place with like the rest of like there's too much going on there's just yeah. too many subplots there's the stuff with sterling hayden and the stuff with her daughter and the stuff with her landlord and her sister and also trying to book this role all it's just all of it's going on and none of it really ever comes to much of anything no oh. i mean even her, her manager in the beginning who is i mean he's responsible for getting doing something for her but I think all he does is sell stuff from her at the auction and yeah. then also basically telling her you know you're over the hill and I have this new actress Barbara Lawrence and yeah and yeah, which I, also, I also find so funny how they constantly promote this Barbara Lawrence who's apparently was apparently a real actress and it feels like this movie in part only exists to promote her as a new starlet yeah it like that very much felt like oh, look at this hot new actress that's, like, tearing up the town. And Yeah, and she's not only in this movie, she exists in real life, so you can see yeah. her in a movie and, if you want. But if you, uh, like me, don't know who she is, if yeah. she's, a, like, a fictional character just as much as Margaret Elliot is. Like, yeah, I think yeah. I checked her Wikipedia page. I think she basically, I think her last big movie role was somewhere in the 50s and I think she did something else then so no, didn't really much become of that. Yeah, it is not nearly on the same level as the Marilyn Monroe appearance in All About Eve, which yeah. <laughs> feels like it's accidentally doing what this movie is trying to do with Barbara Lawrence, just having her mm -hmm. like incidentally about to become the biggest movie star in the world just a few years after that basically cameo walk-on role in that. Um, oh, there was a, we, we didn't really talk at all when we were talking about Betty Davis about her screen test and the whole like last act of the movie. We just sort of skipped over it. But she ends up getting a role. She had optioned the, uh, the rights to this book uh, ages ago in her career and always wanted to play the main character, like an 18-year-old. Atel Winter. Yes. And mm -hmm. they're finally making it, and uh, her manager manages to uh, get a good word in and get her cast in the older sister role, who's supposed to be 40. Uh, 
and Betty Davis is like, okay, I guess I'll take it. I do really want to make this movie. Um, but in her rehearsal, and then when she does the screen test, she decides, I'm going to go against the scene direction in the play, or in the script, which says that she's supposed to be sort of timid and, like, afraid of this man that comes in and tries to, like, aggress her out of testifying for this murder she saw. And instead, I'm going to play it as, like, young and sexy and and I want to fuck this guy, essentially. And everyone around her is like, no, that's a bad idea. And she's like, no, it's a great idea. I'm going to do this. They're going to think I'm so good that they end up firing whoever's playing the main character. And they're Barbara gonna, Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Barbara Lawrence. <laughs> they're going to end up firing her and they're going to replace her with me because I'm going to be so good in this scene. And she's not. Like, it's, it's hard to play convincing bad acting. And I think she does that well, at least. Like, that, that was a moment where I was like, okay, there's something she's doing here where she's trying to play a bad actress, which is actually really hard to do. And I think she does that well, at least. I think, again, she does it entertaining. So you watch it and you think, whoa, it's like a car wreck and you cannot look away. Yeah. But again, I have the feeling, I mean, we, we are constantly supposed to believe that she was a star. She won an Oscar. Um, so I would like to have seen it a little more nuanced. I think she's playing it too obviously bad. And this whole wide eyes, um, I don't know, this is something that I think Betty Davis actually does sometimes in her actual performances too, when she's playing more like somebody who is not really aware of things that are going on or... Like baby Jane Hudson. Um, like, yeah, or I always think in, 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 in All About Eve, when she has this scene where she pretends that she doesn't know that Eve is her understudy, she also has this, oh, Eve is my understudy? I have no idea. Yeah. And basically she's playing the screen test like this scene the whole time. Yeah. So there's, there's, it, it feels a little bit surreal to watch this scene because you never really know, is she doing this on purpose? Is she, does, she, doesn't, does she not know it better? It's... Yeah, that's why this movie is so much fun to watch because it's again you cannot look away even when it's even when you think what is going on there. You're just trying to figure out does is Betty Davis in on the joke here essentially? Yeah, <laughs> is like that's the game to play when you watch this movie more than trying yeah. to appreciate it as good art. Is does Betty Davis realize what she's doing here? And I, yeah, think, and th- I think a lot of so- what she's doing uh, is probably the big elephant in the room that I'm sure everyone is waiting for us to talk about. Joan Crawford. Yeah. So this movie was written by Dale Yunson and Catherine Albert, who are a married couple, and they were friends with Joan Crawford. And they wrote this movie basically about Joan Crawford. And she wasn't offered the role. She wasn't, I don't think she was even aware that it was being made. And then Betty Davis took it and was very open in like interviews about the fact that she modeled this character after Joan Crawford. Like, there's idiosyncrasies, like, she says, God bless, a bunch, which was, like, mm-hmm. a yeah. inside joke with Joan Crawford, and she's, like, wearing the type of shoes in that, in that screen test where she's being a bad actress. She's wearing the type of shoes that Joan Crawford, like, was known to wear. And, like, it definitely... I think you, you mentioned at the very beginning that, like, that was maybe the real reason she took this role was just as like a, a little sort of fuck you to Joan Crawford. 
And I think that definitely plays in a lot of those scenes where we were mentioning that she kind of just sort of goes all in on the ham factor. Yeah, and and, and just where you get this feeling that I mean, John Crawford had an Oscar, so you can say she also has an Oscar, but um, just this kind of... I mean, Betty Davis was a very serious actress um, who took this all very seriously. And you always have this feeling that she plays Margaret as a woman who doesn't really respect the craft. And it's more like, oh, now I get a lot of money again and I can buy great clothes and I will be a star again. And that this probably specifically is the big fuck you to John Crawford. Yeah. And this whole, you're over the hill, no, just get out. Yeah. And the whole, the whole Natalie Wood being like her teenage daughter that, We'll talk about Natalie Wood in a second, but like that feels very much like a sort of dig at Joan Crawford for being the absentee mother and just like having to auction off all of her things and just it it's I wonder how much of that came from the uh the writers and stuff that they saw from her and how much of it was Betty just like knowing the ticks and playing that to a level. Yeah. But the, but the funny thing is, when you get right down to it, I think this, in the end, it harms Betty, in my opinion, more than it does oh, yeah. Joan. Because, first of all, Betty is not very good in the movie. Um, Joan, the same year, had a better movie and a better performance, actually. So it's not like okay. she was done. Yeah. And, yeah, and just... What I also find so funny about the screen test is when she says, you mean I got it in one take and, and nobody dares to say anything negative about her because uh, I read that apparently Betty Davis also said that she sh- the whole movie, the star, was shot in one takes. Yeah. And so this, again, feels very, okay, Betty, maybe you too should have thought about, maybe we should do that again and maybe we should yeah. try it a little differently. Yeah, there's so many just sort of meta aspects to this movie that are so fascinating. I'm really glad you picked this because there's so much to talk about even if like like we said there's not much to talk about in the actual movie aside from betty davis like on a meta level there's so much interesting about this um and my favorite fact about this whole joan crawford thing is that after the fact even though joan crawford said like oh i didn't see her playing me uh, that's not anything like me i'm a good actress essentially uh, and she's playing a bad actress but uh after this uh, Joan Crawford cut off she like ended the friendship with these two because obviously if like if someone wrote a movie about me where I'm the worst at my job and everyone around me just sort of pities me I wouldn't want to be friends with them either but apparently even still uh, they sent their daughter to her because their daughter was going to be married to this man that they didn't approve of and they wanted Joan to talk her out of the wedding and instead of talking her out of the wedding she arranged it herself and held the ceremony at her own house and didn't tell them about it until after it had happened. I would like to see a movie about that. I, I would love to see that movie. Like, hey, you basically wrote a whole movie saying fuck you to me and you still want me to help you like end your daughter's relationship that she's happy with. No, I'm going to let her get married in my Hollywood mansion. You're not invited. You don't get to know about it. Fuck you. Yeah, that's like the best story ever. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it makes this whole... The whole existence of this movie is worth it for that anecdote alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I... Have... 
anything else? Oh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Natalie Wood in this movie as her daughter, Gretchen, I believe is her character's name. Yeah. She's only in a few scenes. Yeah. She's playing it more like a, like a child than a teenager. Like, very much. Yeah. Like, oh, mother, aren't you just the greatest? Everyone at school yeah. bullies. Like, there's You're no- so pretty. Yeah. Like, it, like, how old is she supposed to be playing? Because Natalie I think was like 14 or 15. And she's yeah, no idea. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a little bit like a child, but again, like more like this wised up child who also says things that probably a lot of children at t- 10 would probably not say. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I constantly forget that Natalie Wood is in the movie. Yeah. But this is not Natalie Wood's fault. I just think that Betty Davis' performance has zero maternal whatever. Yeah. So you Although, never, you, you, I think I constantly forget that she's supposed to have a daughter because Betty Davis doesn't really give anything here. I mean, you could give her the benefit of the doubt and say that's an intentional choice as a dig at Joan for her sort of not the best parenthood. Although Betty wasn't. It is, a dig at, it is a dig at Joan, but again, it doesn't make a great performance. Yeah, no, it, it does not. Um, but there's a, a moment where uh, she says that one of her classmates is the daughter of a writer and the writer had said that uh, Maggie had been a star but wasn't anymore. And so Gretchen beat this girl up and that's how she gets the scratch on her face. And it's, it's weird, but it, it did make me laugh. But, but, but what I find so almost shocking is when, when, when Margaret sees the scratches on her face, she's like, oh, I bet you had a fight with your boyfriend. And I'm thinking, yeah. okay, you think you're daughter has a boyfriend and, and he hit her and you think that's funny? <laughs> yeah, and also, again, how old is this child supposed to be? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> a boyfriend. Very weird. Um, yeah, and I mean, I always love it at the end when Betty, when Margaret basically rises up and the first thing she, thing she does is basically kidnap her daughter. <laughs> well, yeah, and we should talk about why she rises up because it's a very meta thing. She's yeah. at a party it's thrown, I think, in her honor. And this... Uh, I, don't, will, I don't think it is. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's in Barbara Lawrence's honor. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, because she finds out that she had basically gotten fired. She overhears some other actress saying, oh, I got cast as the big yeah. sister in... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And I always think her, the name of the actress is Ethel. I always think that's probably, it's probably supposed to be Ethel Barrymore. Oh, it's absolutely so, supposed to be Ethel Barrymore. Yeah. Um, but so she goes off and she gets drunk and like the way it's shot feels almost like, oh, is this movie going to end with her killing herself? Is that where this is going? But no, she, uh, she's sitting at the party and some young hotshot screenwriter is like, oh, I've got a movie that would be perfect for Margaret Elliott. I'm going to go pitch it to her. And he goes and he pitches a movie called Falling Star about a washed up actress who blah, 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 all this stuff happens to her. And he just describes the plot of the star. Yeah. And she's like, where are you supposed to find sympathy for this character? And he goes, sympathy? No, you're supposed to pity her. It's pity. That's what this movie is all about. Here, I'm going to explain to you the movie you just watched <laughs> because I'm writing the movie you just watched. And she's yeah. like, oh, shit, everyone pities me. I'm going to quit acting and go marry Sterling Hayden and live on a boat with my daughter. Yeah. The end. Happy ending because Happy she ending, no yeah. longer ha- has career aspirations. 
Yeah, and I mean, I constantly think how he is pitching this to her. I mean, he basically says to her, this is a tragedy because she is an actress and she has been denied her birthright. He actually says her birthright, the glory of just being a woman. And I mean, fuck you. (laughs) I I wonder if that's how they pitched it to Betty Davis. Like, (laughs) there's, it's just so many meta- yeah. And the great thing is at the end, at the beginning, when he's pitching this, he says, oh, it doesn't have to be an actress. It could also be like a woman working, uh, heading a department in a shop or a, basically a, polit- a female politician or something. Basically, yeah. every woman who has some kind of career aspiration is um, caught in this trap that she cannot be a woman. Yeah, she's... He decided it, it should be an actress. Like, essentially, yeah. Here's a movie about how all women with a career are depriving their biological need to be a, a mother and wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real real strong ending to go out on. Oh boy. Yeah, but yeah, but this, this is basically what the, what the star has been telling us since the beginning and at the end they just say signed, sealed and delivered. Yep, and she goes and lives on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. With a piece of wood. Yep, a piece of wood of a man and Natalie Wood, who it is a bit sad to watch Natalie Wood on a boat in this movie. And like, yeah. when you're reading the trivia about this, like it was something about how she was, like she was afraid of water and yeah. around water because of a childhood incident. So like she had to be sort of eased into filming the scenes on the boat when they go boating midway through the movie. And like, man, that just really, uh, has a different meaning when you look at it in this language, yeah. doesn't it? I also, yeah, I also watched them when, when, when I think when Betty Davis receives her F- AFI award, um, there was also a speech by Natalie Wood where she says that uh, the movie makers wanted her to go into the water and basically were close to the point of just throwing her in. Oh. And Betty really stood up to her and said, no, you're not going to do that. That's good, at least. But, oh boy. Oh, that's uh, very dark. Uh, connotation now do you have anything else you want to mention about the star before we move into the awards presence or lack thereof i think my favorite uh just my favorite thing about the star or just way you basically say this this is the kind of movie this is her perfume and she says it's desire me and it's of, of course it's the most expensive perfume in the world and I love it when she then just walks around in some shady neighborhood and walks into the first drugstore she finds. There's like a, a one gallon bottle of the most expensive world standing there in this whatever drugstore. <laughs> and I would think, okay, if it's the most, I don't know, if, does every drugstore sell the most important, the most expensive perfume and in the world? I don't know. She steals it and it ends up just being a display case of, of water. Yeah, um, there's so much symbolism there. Oh, yeah. And I actually didn't mention that earlier because I thought that happened in Dangerous. <laughs> Again, very yeah, Totally fit. Yeah. I genuinely forgot which movie that scene happened in. Yeah, let's move into the awards presence of the star, if that's all we have left. Those nominated for the best performance by an actress are Shirley Booth, Come Back Little Sheba, Hal Wallace, Paramount, Joan Crawford, Sudden Fear, Kaufman, RKO. Betty Davis, The Star, Freed Loeb, 20th Century Fox. Julie Harris, The Member of the Wedding, 
Kramer, Columbia, and Susan Hayward with a song in my heart, 20th Century Fox. Uh, I mean, there's not much to talk about here. Like you said up top, <laughs> the awards tab on IMDb lists one nomination, and it was the Oscar nomination it got. There's no Golden Globe to speak of. No, I mean, there weren't that many major, it was like National Board of Review and New York Film Critics and stuff like that. But there was no, obviously there was no SAG. I, yeah. I mean, I think there were WGA awards by now, but like there wasn't. I think there the, the would, yeah, I think there would. Yeah. It, I always forget the timeline of when the different Guild Awards decided to start. And, and if she had been, if she had been some kind of runner-up or anything at a Critics Award, it would, it would also be mentioned. Yeah, if at she her awards page, third place at New York Film Critics, mm. but she did not. This is the only nomination for this movie. Uh, I wonder how many times I got to talk about that sort of occurrence over the course of this show. I imagine. I mean, obviously, excluding like the first. 15, 20 years. Yeah. A lot of those, I imagine, are going to be that. But, like, how often does that happen nowadays? Like, did the, did the Globes have nominations that year? Because I think did. in some early years they only had winners. They had nominations. Like, oh, okay. I know Best Actress in a Drama, it was obviously Shirley Booth won because she won everything. But the other two, yeah. it was Joan Crawford and then someone who ended up not getting the Oscar nomination. I don't remember who that was. I'll look that up now. Oh, it was uh, Olivia de Havilland for my cousin Rachel, uh, who ended up not getting the Oscar nomination there. I think that was actually a little bit surprising that uh, she did not get nominated. Yeah, I would imagine so, because at that point she had already won twice and didn't. Uh, who's the male lead in that? Is it Richard Burton? Richard Burton, yeah. He got the nomination, I think. Yeah, but, but uh, category frauded in the most way, po uh, in the worst way possible. Oh, is, did he go supporting for that? Yes. <laughs> huh. Interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, I think it was his only supporting nomination, I think, newcomer, but uh, I think he's in like almost every scene of that. That does not surprise me, and yet it surprises me. Every time the category fraud of that, of that level, like in these early days, it is simultaneously the most and least surprising thing. So take it as you yeah. will. Uh, at least we know we're not talking about category fraud here because Betty Davis is in every scene of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Did she ever play a supporting role? I mean, she may have played some, but I can't imagine she would have ever campaigned in support. Yeah. No, probably not. I can't think of any off the top of my head. So it's possible she even never did that. But you never know. Yeah, she did a lot of movies. Oh, she did some movies in the 50s I did not see yet, so maybe. Yeah. These Golden Globes are interesting. Like, Gary Cooper ends up winning again here. Um, but actually, their supporting actress is one of the rare... Like, I mean, discounting the comedy musical, because those so often those winners don't go on to uh, Oscar nominations, but this is one of the rare like supporting wins that ends up not getting the Oscar nomination because uh, Katie Girardo for High Noon uh, wins here. And I think she's actually really great in that movie. Like, yeah, but I think there was, I think there was some outrage. I don't know why she wasn't nominated. Maybe they didn't campaign for her or something. I think there was I mean, 
something if, happening. If you won the Globe, there was some sort of campaign. Yeah. I think it was just, you know, good old fashioned Hollywood. One of the reasons why, yeah, I think that's one of the, but one of the reasons why she got this nomination two years later for, yeah. for something else that nobody remembers. Nope. I, I don't even know if that's a movie I get to talk about. What is her other one for? Broken Lance. Yeah. And did that get any other nominations or do I get to talk about that? Oh, it won an Oscar for Best Story. So I definitely oh. don't get to talk about it. <laughs> Who knew? Huh. Broken Lance. Not a movie I get to talk about. And a title that I, I just now realized I have gotten mixed up with Jagged Edge a lot, even though they're <laughs> completely different movies and eras. And Jagged Edge is a movie I get to talk about. Uh, I watched that for class the other week. Weird movie. And a very weird Oscar nomination. Whenever I talk about that, it'll be interesting. What, what was its Oscar nomination? I'm not even... Robert Loggia. As the yeah, private investigator that like swears a lot and is like a father figure for Glenn Close. I don't know if I saw that. It's, a, it's an interesting movie. It's a weird little sort of courtroom drama thriller. I really want to watch the, the Men in the, in the Glass Booth after I heard your, your podcast on that. <laughs> I mean, it's on YouTube. Go ahead and watch it. Yeah. 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 It is It is even more of a curiosity than the star. Uh, yeah, it sounded very... <laughs> yes. Very um, strange. But yeah, no, uh, Katie Gerardo in High Noon. Very good performance. Uh, yes, definitely. Bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really... Uh, I get why Gloria Graham won the Oscar that year, but this is really my least favorite supporting actress win. I get why she won for the year. I don't get why she won for the bad and the beautiful. Yeah, I, think in it, yeah, I think it was because this was the big award player that year for, so it was her most prestigious movie. It's a bigger movie, but she's in like three minutes of it and she does yeah. almost nothing and she dies off. Nothing. Yeah. She shows up like an hour and 40 minutes into the movie is in like three scenes and dies off screen. Yeah. If, she, if she had won for sudden fear, that would have been fine with me. That would have been a really good win. I would have definitely preferred that over this, even if Katie Gerardo and also uh, Gene Hagen would have been. Yeah, in the, in the end, this is Gene. Yeah, in the end, only Gene Hagen was a possible choice. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of borderline if you want to put her lead or supporting, but Debbie Reynolds, also very good in Singing in the Rain. Yeah. But still, still Gene Hagen is, yeah. for me, I mean, Gene Hagen is, can, I think if Gene Hagen had won, this would be probably in my top three of supporting actress wins. Oh yeah, it's a great one. Uh, but Debbie Reynolds, I mean, she would have been, if you want to put her in lead, a better nominee than Betty Davis. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this best actress race. I've seen three of these. I didn't get around to, uh, with a song in my heart. And I haven't seen The Member of the Wedding because that's a movie I'll end up getting to talk about. Or is it the other way around? Uh, no, no, no. Um, with a Song in My Heart had a couple of other nominations and it also won an Oscar. Okay, so Member of the Wedding is one I'll eventually get to talk about when I... Uh, enough time has passed that I can dip back into this field. But So I, I actually hadn't seen any of these, so I watched all, th all the other three that I have seen now in the past week as preparation. So do we, uh, let's start with Sudden Fear, because we've sort of alluded to it a few times so far. Uh, what do you think about Joan Crawford here? Uh, mm. Joan Crawford. <laughs> I think the, the movie falls a little bit into the star territory, where I think it's entertaining, but not necessarily a great movie. Um, 
but I definitely prefer John Crawford to Betty Davis. Um, especially like John Crawford in the first half when she has this romance with uh, Jack Palance. Um, because in their case, they do have chemistry, unlike Betty Davis and, and her co-star. And you sense in Joan Crawford's performance a kind of desperation to, re to get this man, to hold him. So again, the screenplay does not never suggest that he is younger than her, but you somehow get this in her performance. And I really like that. And I also like that uh, Joan Crawford can do a lot of what she did uh, basically get all her expertise back from the silent era because she has a lot of long scenes where she doesn't say anything and does all the acting with her face. Yeah. And this is really well done. Um, in the second half, it gets kind of down for me because I always think these kind of movies where you end up fearing for your life, the part you get, it is showy, but it becomes limited. So yeah. this, she's, she's, she's scared. She tries to do things. It, it's, it's, Entertaining, but it personally doesn't grab me so much from an acting point of view. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting that in the first sort of section of the movie where she is this celebrated playwright that kind of gets duped by this younger couple, that feels almost more like the follow-up to All About Eve. Uh, that feels like it has the theater element, but also she's getting mm -hmm. sort of like caught up by Jack Palance and then later Gloria Graham who are like, backstabbing her that felt m m like a more direct uh sort of continuation of that type of story than the star actually did mm -hmm, yeah which I, th I just thought that was funny but yeah i think she's very good in this i think like you said she has a lot of uh specific sort of chemistry with jack palance because about midway through you get the reveal that he's been conning her and even though you, like you can kind of tell up until that point that like there's something kind of sketchy with this guy, him showing up on her train and sort of like snaking his way into her life and then marrying her, but you're not really sure. And then eventually it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he has been conning her. They're going to kill her. Uh, but I think she plays that really well. That, like you said, the, that whole scene where she's listening to, she just happens to have accidentally recorded them laying out their entire scheme to kill her. <laughs> but like the look on her face of, betrayal and fear and also like ah oh shit I gotta I, now I have to deal with this uh, and sort of the quick on her feet thinking that she has where she plans to like go to the beach house and then cancel the beach house and then go to a party and then pretend to get sick and then like hide out in the house and a lot of the, that like very quick on her feet sort of decision making felt kind of like a it's a weird comparison but kind of like home alone uh, where she's outsmarting them like she's literally only one step ahead each step of the way she has to keep devising a new way to outsmart these uh, criminals mm. that are trying to uh, take over her sort of life but I think she plays it really well I think and I also like it that you don't get the sense from Jack Pellens right away that he's trying to do anything terrible. I mean, at the beginning, he's this actor who's apparently also a good actor and she just fires him, but you, but he doesn't really try to get to her in any way. And I'm not even sure if he's on the train on purpose. I imagine. In any way. Yep. It's really not clear. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but, it's, but it's not clear and I like that. And I, I actually don't know if he plans right away from the beginning to kill her, if he just wants to marry her and just live from her money. And if it's then Gloria Graham who convinces him to kill, kill her off and, 
Yeah, because there's, like, the scene when she first shows up, he doesn't, like, he's kind of surprised that she's even there. I think, yeah. you're right, it, it yeah. probably is more likely that she convinces him into it and like yeah. and i think they, they they find her they find her will but it's not her real will it's the will that her lawyer wrote where he basically says you shouldn't leave anything to your husband and they find this and think this is her new will and so they want to kill her before she can sign it which is kind but, of funny because the will that she had just drafted would be even very generous <laughs> would be so much better for him yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, sudden fear is, is, is it's a little bit like the style. It's a very obvious movie. I mean, right from the start when she says, oh, this is my dictating machine and works like this and this. And you just know, OK, this will play an important role. And yeah. when she then drops the recording, you're yeah. OK, this was so obvious. <laughs> and, I when I, and I also think, OK, this is a very complicated plan, actually, that she comes up with in the end, where I think, couldn't you not just hide for two days? Or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything, but she comes up with a very complicated plan that even involves her shooting him. And also involves a whole lot of, man, I really hope he doesn't just, like, suffocate me in my sleep from now yeah. until then. And I mean, she throws herself down the stairs yeah. at some point. Yeah. Uh, it's not... It does, it's not a plot that necessarily holds up to much scrutiny, but I think she plays it well. And yeah. I think Jack Palance and uh, Gloria Graham are both really good in their sort yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the stars, a very entertaining movie, but I think from an acting point of view, definitely better. Oh, definitely. Like Jack Palance acts circles around Sterling Hayden as the yeah, sort yes. of funky <laughs> actor, lover role. Let's talk about Come Back, Little Sheba. Let's talk about Shirley Booth here. Do you want to take it yeah i think um i think shirley booth is i suppose when, when you look at the history of the best actress category if they would ever reveal the votes i would i would suppose that shirley booth is probably one of the biggest landslide winners in oscar history definitely especially in best actress yeah i don't think that there is really anyone who was competing who could compete with her she was this beloved veteran from the stage she won a tony for a performance for the she same was, for, the, for this for performance, her. yeah, she she was she was praised to heaven. She won everything, she, including in Cannes. Um, she won every every yeah. Also at the Cannes Film Festival, she also won Best Actress. She won every Critics Award. She won the Golden Globe. I don't think there was really anyone who could compete with her. Yeah, and wasn't this her first film performance? It was, yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a great one. Like I I watched that just the other day. It's really, I mean unlike any other performance that I can really think of. It's, yeah, she's, she, she, she is great. The character is difficult to take, but this is the character. But she really plays this, um, plays this wonderfully. She's not afraid to be annoying and difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the movie again, or the play and the movie has its problems. First of all, but Lancaster is horribly miscast Very. opposite her. Very miscast. And the movie also, I don't know, if, what I always take away from this is also this kind of, she's this lazy housewife who doesn't make her husband breakfast and everything goes to hell. But then the, at the end, she's dressed in the morning and she has the ju- orange juice for him ready and then everything is well, sorted out. Sort of. Yeah, bit of a weird sort of message there, but I think she's really great. As she's great, woman. yeah just like a beacon of hope and positivity and like 
unafraid to just be herself and sort of push herself into these sort of spaces where she ingratiates herself to all these people. Like when she invites the postman in for a drink and just yeah. talks a mile a minute and is excited to be talking to someone. Yeah. Uh, and even though like he's a little bit annoyed, he ends up like, okay, yeah, this lady has like, she has a charm. I'm not going to yeah. hold it against her, even if it is a bit annoying and a bit out of my way. Like there's no harm to her. She's just you know, nice and a little bit, uh, overexcited about everything yeah she she and she needs a pet she needs a new pet <laughs> yeah to take care of something yeah uh, i mean i don't want to spoil too much of where the plot goes but the whole sort of needing something to take care of uh does it, it has a, a very particular significance yeah that, it reminded me kind of a little bit of who's afraid of virginia wolf and that sort like a very different character type from Martha, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's a sort of similar look into like the, the darker psychology of this sort of housewife character uh, in the shadow of her husband and of their mm -hmm. past, but yeah. still like a very loving, uh, supportive woman through all of his uh, trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I apologize if I spoil anything, but I think those are 70 year old movies, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like think time has passed. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, like, uh, spoiler territory is perfectly acceptable on the show. It's just, it's just, I went into it not knowing the sort of intricacies of where that plot went, and I think that's really the way you want to go at this movie. Yeah. I'd be interested to see uh, a stage performance of this. Uh, I wonder, yeah. mm -hmm. like, I was trying to think this whole time, I think, Francis, I think Francis McDormand did this in a Broadway revival at some point. Oh, if I'm not I mistaken. I see that with like her sort of. Like and I know that. Role, but I know Joanne Woodward and Laurence Olivier did a TV TV version. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, I was. But yeah, I was trying to think of who like a modern actress that would fit this particular role, and like. I like Again, Olivia so kind of yeah mine. yeah if Olivia Colman. I don't know if I've seen her do an American accent in anything, so I don't know if she could pull that off because it feels very much like American Midwest, yeah, kind of central to the characterization of this character. But I think she has the same kind of like cheery optimism that can also hide a real like yeah. sadness. I think you could probably reset it to some lonely English town. Yeah, I mean, you absolutely could. I like. I could see her again. It's so difficult because I don't think that Shirley Booth was so old. Actually, I don't think. Yeah, she I, was only like fifty was, or fifty-two or something yeah. like this. She's still only the first of two actresses in their fifties to win Best Actress. And when you look at fifty-two-year-old actresses today, they, for reasons, they look much younger now. Yeah. <laughs> like it's difficult to think. Davis, but who, what fifty-two-year-old actress could play her? So 52-year-old actresses, you're looking at like Kate Blanchett and Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Jennifer Aniston uh, as <laughs> sort of, yeah, not exactly the not sort the of Booth type. type. Yeah. Uh, who else is in here? I mean, I actually, yeah, I actually think Renee Zellweger would be 
now that I think about it. Yeah, I think she could actually pull that off. I would watch Millions Every and Everything. Yeah. I even watched this, this Netflix show for her. Interesting. I didn't know that she yeah. was doing a Netflix show. Uh, so I think it's already a year or two years ago. Wasn't good. Well, you, you win some, you lose some. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if or whenever the most recent revival of this would have been, but a Renee Zellweger uh, version of this, I think, could be really interesting. She has that sort of mm-hmm. happy, uh, but sad uh, archetype down pat in yeah. her performances. I think she could do that. Yeah. And it's really a testament to, to Shirley Booth's performance that she makes this whole relationship with, um, with Burt Lancaster work. Um, but yeah, like you said, Burt Lancaster, very miscast in this movie. So like, if the, uh, what's her character's name? Is it Lola? Lola. Yeah, if the Lola role is as equally miscast as Burt Lancaster, this just doesn't work. And so yeah, it really is a testament to her that she is able to elevate what he's doing to make that almost work because yeah. she's just on such another level. It, it, I mean, the thing is, he is, he is not bad, but they just don't fit yeah. together physically. Yeah, he's a good actor, but he's not right for this very specific role. He's also, again, too young for the role. Yeah. Uh, interesting that at the very least, three of these five Best Actress nominees are paired with a younger uh, love interest. You don't, yeah. even, you don't get that very often in this era, so for it to be at yeah. least three out of five. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, even if Burt Lancaster is playing older than he is, he's playing a character that's older. But, yeah, and it just doesn't work when he constantly calls her baby or things yeah. like this. this nah. And all, like, how, like, half of her sentences end with him, or with her calling him daddy. Daddy, yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't quite fit that, but, you know. Very good performance. Easily yeah, one, of the, one of the better winners in this category. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying something because there's a lot of really great Best Actress winners, but she is yeah. uh, rightly praised as one of the best of the best here. Yeah, there's... I mean, we really got into it with the fact that this is the only nomination for the star anywhere, but there really is not a whole lot to talk about. Like, I wouldn't have said editing or cinematography would have been anywhere near the score kind of grading this like this is in the era of i still don't quite understand how the screenplay story and screenplay and story categories worked yeah i don't i don't either but there's really there's nothing in this movie that i would personally nominate for anything yeah, at least we don't have to get into that now because I don't think it would have been a worthy nominee for screenplay, story and screenplay, or story. No. However those work. Um, like we said, none of the other actors in here are worth talking about. And aside from Sudden Fear, I haven't seen any of the other supporting actor nominees. This is a year that, like, I haven't seen a whole lot of movies from, period. Like, I've seen Singing in the Rain and High Noon and the ones I watched for this and some others here and there, but like all in all, I have not seen a whole ton of movies here. Also Bad and the Beautiful I've seen, but like a lot of these I have not caught up to yet. So I can't yeah, also did, so much of those. I also did not just check who the other nominees were. So I, I did see all of them, but 
been a long time since I did. This For example, I have absolutely no idea that the big sky exists and that there is an actor, Arthur Honeycutt, who was nominated for an Oscar for it. I have absolutely no, I remember zero of that. Yeah, apparently so. Like, I just looked down that list of five and then clicked away from it. And if you had asked me to name the five nominees, I would have remembered the other four. And, like, even having just read it a few minutes ago, I would have completely forgotten that. I, I have no idea who that is, what that movie is. But, and I, as I remember when I saw Viva Zapata, I wasn't too amazed by Anthony Quinn, but as I said, it's really a long time ago since I watched them, so probably would need yeah. to rewatch those. But I also cannot come up now with somebody who I would have nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, they were running him in lead because he won the comedy musical lead globe, but yeah. Donald O'Connor for Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. A fantastic pick here, I think would have been over any of these yeah um, i don't know i can't say now if is he is he supporting or is he leading i don't remember i probably would have said supporting yeah i mean i i mean if you're gonna pick leads out of that movie it's gene kelly and yeah. uh debbie reynolds uh and he's like a solid second lead and he has the whole make him laugh song mm-hmm. uh, but most of like the story and plot is around uh, Don Lockwood. Yeah, I, I, I would say like it's probably a borderline case, but he could have easily been put in supporting, and you could have made a really good case for him there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't think there's really anyone in High Noon on the supporting actor side that mm. I would have voted for. I don't know if I could name another actor in it. I think Lee Van Cleef is like one of the side bad guys but i don't know if he has any lines uh, i think brendan brendan de brendan de, de wild or brendan de wild i don't know how you pronounce it um he oh, gave yeah. a pretty good child performance in the member of the wedding i know you didn't see, see that yet so i don't want to say too much but he was pretty good yeah uh, he, and then I, now he was nominated next year for an oscar so he obviously was a good child actor in general for a movie with jack palance jack palance <laughs> nominated for that uh, for Shane, which I mean, wait, who does win next uh, supporting actor the next year? Uh, Frank Sinatra. Oh yeah. Oh, that's actually a good win. Yeah. I, like uh, I have to. I have to say, I'm probably one of the few people. I I don't think he's so good in that movie. I like everyone in in the movie, but I think he. I don't know. Uh, that's fair. I I think he's. I think he's got a good role in it. But I can definitely see sort of the uh, the complaints against his performance there. Um, but I also don't know who else I would have picked. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of actors in From Here to Eternity that you could have gone for. Uh, like, um, yeah, but I don't, don't think anybody... I, I know um, what's Ernest Borgnine yeah. has He's probably the, the other prominent supporting role, but I don't think that I would nominate Oscar. Yeah. Okay, what movies do I get to talk about this next year in 53? Just going over that. Hondo, I get to talk about Hondo, and I think pick up on South Street, and maybe also Torch Song. I think I get to talk about most of this next year's supporting mm-hmm. actress nominees. Is, is, is Torch Song is that the movie where John Crawford does blackface? Is it? Oh boy! I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm it's, just. I'm... It has Joan Crawford in it. Um, yeah, 
Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the film has become notorious because of the musical numbers. <laughs> Woman Crawford performs in blackface and body makeup. Oh, yeah, something Anthony. to look forward to. <laughs> However, Crawford's facial performance is not a disrespectful caricature of a black performer and can be seen in other blackface performances during that period. Okay, Wikipedia. I think blackface is probably generally considered disrespectful regardless of if it was intended. I don't think Wikipedia needs to uh, make a case for Joan Crawford doing that. Yeah, it might, might have been written by a Joan Crawford fan. That's entirely possible. Uh, yeah, I think I get to get to, quote unquote, talk about as many, if not more, blackface performances on this podcast than I do performances by actual black actors. So that's fun. That's, you, you enjoy that. Yeah. We have fun on this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, we definitely do. I mean, just, uh, yeah, let's go. If we go back to this year, uh, 252, then I think um, I have fun with the star. As I said, I don't think it's a good movie. And I mean, I did at some point did a ranking of Best Actress nominees, which I will probably never finish. Um, but I actually had the, the bit I had done so far, I actually had Betty Davis in the star in last place. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, and there's definitely some other choices you could have put there. So, definitely, I don't. I'm not sure if she would have ended up last, but I always say I would probably recommend her over many other performances that I would rank higher for the entertaining factor. But what I always complain is her work just feels so lazy. Yeah, and this is why I this why is why I decided to put her last. Yeah, when I did this. Well, it made for a very interesting conversation at the very least. Even Definitely. if it is your lowest ranked. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you. I mean, well, we didn't get into our last segment. I mean, we, we kind of talked about how this movie wouldn't be nominated anywhere for us, but just for formality's sake, would you have nominated the star in any other categories? No, I would not. Neither would I. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We'll get into the endings now. This was really great. This is a really fun conversation. It was on the shorter side, but like there wasn't much to talk about. So I think yeah, we kind of exhausted uh, <laughs> everything there is to say about the star and everything there is to say adjacent to the star. Uh, but I, I think so too. I think we talked more about the star than probably anybody else has ever talked about the star. And more than anybody else will ever talk about the star. That's very likely, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the end of the shelf life on the star. I think we are the last words anyone will have <laughs> to say about the star. Very possible. Very possible. Outside of the scene where she and Oscar go drunk driving. Yeah. That scene will live on in infamy, rightfully so. It's yeah, great. Camp. It's great, just like... But nobody will know where it's from. No, no, not at all. Uh, this is probably people watching it that decide to watch in preparation for listening to this episode is like someone at Amazon is going to be like, Hey, all of a sudden a whole bunch of people are renting the star. <laughs> it's having a comeback. And Nope. Uh, it's just for this one week. Yeah. <laughs> that people have decided the star is the movie of interest. Quote unquote. Like, it's not like there's a ton of people that are going to be listening to this and watching the movie in preparation. It's, this is still in its infancy, but you know, even like five people renting the star within a week is going to have a this big will, yeah, increase it by increase it by five hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Again, thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah. Th- thank you. So, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, you're more than welcome to come back. Hopefully, oh, to talk about a movie that is uh, better and <laughs> there's more to talk about than the star. But I'd be happy to. Just maybe not. Maybe we pick another one of the uh, the sort of lesser remembered movies on this list because there yeah. are plenty. I know that it's like the example that I go to when I talk about a bad movie that I get to t- talk about, but I Am Sam is on the table. And whenever uh, I do that, it's going to be an ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but definitely, if, if, I, if I can ever come back, then be happy to. Yeah, absolutely. I already have a few guests that I have their return lined up at some point down the line, so we'll figure yeah. something out. Uh, but yeah, yeah, do you have uh, any social media, anything you want to plug? I mean, obviously you do. You have a whole whole bunch, but I'll let you do that. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter, on Fritz and Oscars. And um, you can also, if you want, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Then you would be of about a dozen people who already have. And <laughs> watch my far too long videos on different best actress races that I do from time to time. So if you... Yeah, if you want uh, the, to hear me talk good. about best actors for a long time, then yeah, check it out. Out, uh, the, they're they're really fascinating videos, and they're very in depth and very well done. I, I really appreciate thank you. It. Yeah, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms, and on Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening.